But anyway, I was praying this morning and just asking the Lord and seeking the Lord's face and what He would have me uh, to preach this morning. And uh, I, I believe everyone in this room this morning, I, I believe every one of us could get something uh, from the message this morning, but I, I want to direct the message uh, primarily uh, to the young people. And um, I'm glad my dad warned me of some things when I was growing up. I'm glad that my dad warned me before I crossed the street to look both ways. Amen, Brother Rochester? I'm glad my dad warned me the day that I got married and he made the statement, and I I live by this statement, uh, happy wife, happy life. Amen. I'm glad my dad told me about that. And I'm thankful that I've had some men of God preach the Word of God and they've just warned me about some things. And I want to preach a message of warning not only to the young people, but to all of us, but I'm going to direct it primarily uh, to the young people this morning. And I I believe with all my heart, I've been here a few days and just observed, uh, but I believe there's a good group of young people that uh, are members here at Riverside Baptist Church and others that are uh, the Rochester young people and uh, the Wolframs, I understand they're a part of this church, but some good young people. I love seeing young people sit on the front row, amen, and uh, right up close uh, to the preaching of the Word of God. I'm thankful for that. And I, I want to preach a, a message of warning to you. And I hope that you'd uh, be here today with an open heart and an open mind and allow this preacher just to, uh, just to give you a warning that you'll take throughout your life today. So Luke chapter number 15. I'm going to read a very familiar portion of Scripture, a very familiar story in the Word of God, a very true story in the Word of God. Luke chapter number 15. Let's all stand as we take reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Verse number 11, Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. The Bible says that he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided on them his living. Not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. There wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. 
The father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you this morning and again. Lord we, first, Lord, we thank you for first loving us. Thank you for salvation. And Lord, I do come to you to, this morning, dear God, Lord, with a heavy heart, Lord, towards uh, the young people. And Lord, as Brother Rodriguez and I were just talking last night, Lord, just uh, as I was, uh, Lord, just bragging on the young people, Lord, our heart's desire is, Lord, not just to preach to the young people, Lord, when they're 15 and 16 years old, Lord, we still want to continue to be preaching to them when they're 35, 36, 40 years old. Lord, as they're serving God and living for you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, today, Lord, that they would understand, Lord, that I'm not mad at any one of them. There's only one that I'm mad at. And it's the thief that cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Lord, I pray that this message of warning would not go upon deaf ears this morning. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you let it allow it to resonate in the hearts of every person in the sound of my voice today. And we'll thank you for what you do. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I believe the vast majority, if not all, of the young people that center the sound of my voice this morning are good, godly, sold-out, lock, stock, and barrel for the cause of Christ young people. I believe that the young people here today have a good Christian home. Most of you do, if not all. Have a good Christian home you live in, and maybe some of you sing in the teen choir and show up for teen soul winning or participate in teen activities and have a good time enjoying it. But as I have, the Lord has allowed me to be able to preach in, uh, to, to many young people in these 13 years of evangelism and in different youth conferences and youth meetings. As I've stood there and preached, there's no doubt that there were teenagers that they may not be prodigal in body, but they were prodigal in their spirit and in their mind. And in their heart, as I would preach, they were a thousand miles away from the Father and anything good that He wanted to do in their life. In 2007, when the Lord put me in the ministry of evangelism, I guess because of the life that God saved me from, I've spent my entire ministry, Brother Wilson, these last 13 years of evangelism. Every week of my life, it seems like, uh, visiting the jail cells and the homeless missions and the rehabs. And I've been often asked by preachers and parents alike, Brother Dallas, would you mind visiting my prodigal in jail or in the dry out clinic? In 2007, when I began to make those visits across the country. Most of the prodigals uh, that I would uh, go and try to help, they would come from homes where the parents did not attend church. 
and, and they lived in broken homes and the prodigal was following in the same footsteps of their mom and their dad uh, in drug addiction and riotous living. But it seems in the last few years, the prodigals that I visit, nowadays they come from God-fearing, Christ-honoring homes where the parents are not hit and miss to church, but they're there Sunday morning. They're there in their place Sunday night and Wednesday night. They're not now sitting under a man of God that has become soft on sin, but calls out sin and doesn't sugarcoat it or generalizes it, but is very specific in the sin that he's calling out. There's sometimes young people who have never one time so mama passed out on the couch drunk or had to visit daddy in prison because of his addiction. But they heard daddy say amen in agreement to the preacher Sunday after Sunday. They've seen mama singing in the choir and had the privilege of seeing them not only act and respond at church, but they acted the same way at home. And yet now, especially in the last few years, Week after week, month after month, I'm visiting young men and young women across the country. They were afforded a good, golly Christian home. Now I'm visiting them in the jail cells. I'm visiting them in the dry out clinics. Now they're on suicide watch because they got a hold of some drug laced with poison. And somewhere along the way, by being smack dab in the, in the middle of ministry and the things of God, they got their eyes on the far country. And Satan began to whisper a lie in their ear and said, it's okay to taste this and it's okay to do this before you know it. They became prodigal in their mind and in their spirit. And the devil began to become very subtle, seeking whom he may devour. And the devil planted the seed of rebellion and riotous living in their mind. We've all heard messages on the prodigal son, preached from every angle and down every avenue, but this is the portion of Scripture this morning the Lord led me to, to go to as I preach this morning. The prodigal son, the younger of two sons, was of age, to leave his father's house. We understand that, uh, that, that the picture here is that the father could be a picture of God, the father's house could be a picture of the church house or God's house. And this prodigal son now was of age to leave his father's house. And his father could have chose to refuse his younger son's request of giving him his inheritance, but he did not refuse that. Just imagine with me this morning, that this prodigal son may have came from a good home that feared God and tried to instill biblical principles in his life. This father uh, uh, may have taught him from right from wrong and taught him to hate sin and righteous living and love the Lord in righteousness. 
Uh, he probably had family devotions and opened up the Word of God and read from it before every meal. And maybe there's a young person said in my voice, uh, you don't, you're not afforded that life inside the home. But can I tell you this morning, you've got a youth pastor that loves you. You've got a man of God that stands up here every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night that loves you and pours his life into the messages that he preaches to you week after week. His father may have taught him to meditate upon the Word of God and to hide it in his heart that he might not sin against God. And this younger son may have obeyed the rules somewhat in doing what he was told and saying all the right things at all the right times. He probably had some date etched in his mind that flowed smoothly off his lips when someone asked him when he got saved. But the whole time he's thinking and he's pondering about the far country. The whole time in his mind, nobody can see it. Nobody knows about it except for him in his mind. And the whole time he's conjuring up some scheme and some plan in his mind. And he's saying to himself, if I could ever get away from my father, If I could ever get away from these rules, if I could ever get away from these boundaries, he's saying to himself in his mind, he's not saying it outwardly, he's saying it in his mind. I'm sick and tired of all this Christianity garbage. I'm sick and tired of hearing mama sing amazing grace and victory in Jesus. I'm sick and tired of family devotions and memorizing Bible scripture and going to revival services. And he's saying to himself, I know it's going to be hard getting away from here. And I know daddy's going to put up a fuss and mama is going to weep. But as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to get enough courage. And I'm going to my old man and I'm telling him, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And I'm hightailing it away from here. And for the first time in my life, I'm going to enjoy myself. And just for spite, I'm going to do everything I've heard preached against at the Father's house. First chance I get, I'm going to the first liquor store and buy me a bottle. And then go to the tattoo parlor and eat up my body and throw the big parties and be a part of the popular crowd and dress like I want to dress and look like I want to look and act like I want to act. And nobody is going to be able to stop me one of these days. And the sad reality is, as I've preached in youth meetings across this country, there were young people that would sit in the very room that I would be preaching and warning them of the effects of sin. And physically they were there, but spiritually they were a thousand miles away. Oh, they may have been at the, uh, at the house of God every time the doors were open and towed a King James Bible under their arm and singing the teen choir and show up for soul winning and work days around the church uh, house and they say all the right things at all the right times and they stand up when the man of God comes by their way and they say yes sir and no sir and they have the form of godliness. But they're denying the power thereof. And in the back of their mind, They're saying to themselves, when the right time comes, I'm throwing all my Christian upbringing in the trash. And I'm sick and tired of this old-time religion. And I'm sick and tired of working on bus routes and being made to come to church. And I'm sick and tired of all these rules and all these boundaries. 
and I'm ready to sow my wild oats and live life to the fullest. And I can't wait to trade church in for the nightlife and trade this shirt and tie for my baggy pants and chunk this dress for my skin tight blue jeans. And I can't wait to do away with the Bible and look at the dirty magazines and surf on the internet. And all this church stuff may be good for the preacher and good enough for mom and daddy, but I'm sick and tired of it. And if I want to smoke dope, if I want to pop pills, if I want to drink liquor, if I want to go to the nightclubs and get a tattoo, nobody is going to be able to stop what I want to do. He's saying to himself, I'm going to walk the right walk now. And I'm going to talk the right talk now. And I'm going to look the right way now. But the first chance I get, I'm out of here to live my life the way that I want to live it. Could I say today, I grow weary, Brother Marshall, of pre- preaching in Christian schools, and at times I have more liberty preaching in the county jail than I do in some Christian school. And can I say today, young people, listen to me. It's a sad commentary to our Savior when an ex-dope addict or an ex-alcoholic who gets saved by the grace of God has more zeal in their heart and more fire in their bones to live for God than some that were raised in church their entire lives. Oh, would to God he would give us some young people this morning. I believe I'm preaching to some good young people. But can I say, could God give us some young people who would sell out to God and get their eyes off the far country and say, I don't care who else is selling out to the world, the flesh and the devil. I don't care who else is going to the wild parties and drinking liquor and smoking dope. I don't care who else is fornicating and acting like a bunch of fools, but I'm going to stay pure. I'm going to stay holy. I'm going to live for God and for the things of God. God, give us some young people that will dedicate their lives to live just like that. And if everyone else sells out to the devil, so be it, but I'm going to live for God. Back to Luke chapter 15 this morning. This prodigal son had the plans for his new life memorized frontwards and backwards. But there were some unforeseen surprises that came along the way. And for the next few minutes, I want to preach on that subject. Surprise, surprise. I want you to look at verse number 12 with me. Look at Luke chapter 15, verse number 12. The Bible says that the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portions of goods portion of goods that falleth to me. Look what it says. And he divided unto them his living. Can I say the first surprise that came along in this prodigal son's life? Number one, he was surprised how easy it was to get away from the father's house. You understand this young prodigal thought maybe his daddy would was going to put up a big fight and bind him hand and foot and not let him leave. You understand this father uh, taught his son right from wrong. He spent his all, all his life raising and training his sons in the nurture and the admonition of God. He put much effort in telling his boys about living for God. And now his younger son comes to him and he says, I'm leaving and give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And the father doesn't hesitate. He gives him his portion. He doesn't plead 
or pride uh, for the boy to stay. See, he had given him everything he knew to give. He had given him God. He had given him the Bible. He had given him prayer. He had given him a family altar. He had given him a church and godly influences. But now the decision is up to him whether or not he's going to stay at the father's house or whether he's going to go out there in the far country. And one of these days, young people, you won't have to fake it anymore. One of these days, very, very soon, be like a vapor. One of these days, the decision will be up to, your, to you. One of these days, you won't have to come to church if you don't want to come to church. One of these days, you can live by your rules if you want to live. One of these days, you can get away from preaching and spirit-filled services and old-time hymns if you want to. And one of these days, you'll be surprised how easy it is to get out. It's e- it'll be easy to live for the flesh instead of being led by the Spirit. It'll be easy to become a statistic instead of a success for God. It'll be easier than you think to get away from your godly influences, listen to your worldly music, watch your dirty movies, and the filth on the internet. It'll be easy to drop your standards and lose your purity and throw everything in an hour in the world that it took a lifetime for your parents and your youth director and your pastor to instill in your life. It'll be easy to leave this place one of these days. Can I say in this wicked world that we live in with Satan throwing all the fiery darts of hell at God's children. It does take work. It does take effort to live right and live holy. It does take work and effort to walk with God and read your Bible and pray every day and stand up for right even though you may be the only one standing. Can I say as the psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And young people, listen to this preacher this morning that has lived on both sides of the fence. Can I tell you, thank God he saved me from that life of a prodigal. But can I tell you, I will tell you, young people, you don't have to go out there and destroy your life and your testimony. You can just keep on putting one foot in front of the other and living for God and serving God. I'm thankful that God spared my life. Can I tell you, young people, God, our God in heaven, he's a gentleman. and He's not going to force himself on anyone that doesn't want anything to do with him. It'll be easy to leave the Father's house one of these days. Number two, look at verse number 14. Look at verse number 14. Not only was he surprised how easy it was to get away from the Father's house, but look at verse number 14. The Bible says, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Number two, the prodigal was surprised how quickly his dreams vanished away. No doubt this young man had big dreams. He had big plans with his inheritance out there in the far country. He thought the money and the riches were going to last for whatever he wanted to do with those riches. By now, he's probably addicted to strong drink, bright lights and wild parties and sexual activity. You understand, he was probably the life of the party and the most popular in town. 
He started off with the idea that life was all about partying and having a good time and staying out all hours of the night and catching the eye of the loose girls. Oh, he was just going to be a, uh, it was just going to be a beer every now and then and a glass every now and then at nakedness on the internet. And he said, I'll just listen to this music just for a little while. But the Bible says in verse number 14, he began to be in want. In verse number 16, the Bible says, and he would fain that word fain means he craved. You understand it started off with just a beer to another beer, and now that's lost its effect. And now it's marijuana and cocaine to now being a full-blown dope addict. It started off at looking at things on the internet, and now he's in the pit that it seems like he can't even get out of called pornography. It started off just listening to the worldly rock and the rap and the country music. But now his appearance and his appetites are the exact same as the artist that he's now listening to. Today I'm trying to warn some junior high student or some high school student or that bus kid that somebody's poured their life into. You may not be prodigal in your body, but you're prodigal in your mind and your spirit. Can I warn you this morning? Go ahead and live it up and enjoy the fast life. Go ahead and enjoy the bright lights and the riotous living. Go ahead and snub your nose at the man of God and listen to your worldly music and have your golly conversations. Go ahead and look golly on the outside, but be thinking about the far country on the inside. But let me remind you of something. Although your mom and dad and your youth pastor may not know what you've been involved in or your heart's set on doing, there's a God in heaven that knows. And the same God that has showed you grace and mercy time and time again will be the same God that will snatch the rug out from under you one of these days. And you'll be surprised how quickly your dreams will vanish away. You'll be surprised one day when you wake up, young lady, and all that hard living took away your dignity and the good looks you once had. You'll be surprised one day after going against the counsel of those over you how much of a mess you made of your life. Can I say to the young ladies, go ahead and give in to that cute boy that tries to get you to lie with him. You'll be surprised how quickly your dreams of having a dream home will vanish away when that bomb is nowhere to be found and you're left with a child out of wedlock depending on grandparents or the government to support you. Can I say go ahead and live life to the fullest. Enjoy lit life in the fast lane. Enjoy skirting the rules. Enjoy seeing how close you can get to the edge. But don't be surprised if God doesn't take you out early. Because mark it down for every prodigal that makes it back to the Father's house, there's a hundred that don't. You'll be surprised how quickly your dreams will vanish. There were some surprises. This prodigal was surprised how easy it was to get away from the Father's house. This prodigal was surprised how quickly his dreams vanished away. Look at verse number 16 with me. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says that he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Number three, this prodigal was surprised 
how cruel this whole world could be. That crowd that I used to run around with before I met Jesus. That crowd that I thought I was having a good time with, and living it up with, and enjoying life to the fullest with. Brother Andrew, they were nowhere to be found when the police came and put the handcuffs on and carried me to jail. They were nowhere to be found when I stood before the judge and bail was set. They were nowhere to be found when I was a full-blown dope addict and got up in smoke-filled AA rooms and said, my name is Chris Dallas, I'm a dope addict, an alcoholic. They were nowhere to be found when the halfway houses were full and the homeless mission had no vacancy and I was left to sleep in my car. Oh, they were there when I had a pocket full of money and a trunk full of worldly things. But when all that was gone, listen to me, that crowd out there that will embrace you and pressure you to come to their side and laugh and mock at the things you've been taught from the Bible that will show you the pleasure of this world will be the same crowd that will chew you up and spit you out just like every other product before you you'll be surprised one of these days how cruel this old world could be this prodigal has some surprises he was surprised how easy it was to get away from the father's house he was surprised how quickly his dreams vanished away he was surprised how cruel this old world could be But I want you to look at verse number 17. This prodigal made a mess of things in his life. But I'm glad I got some good news as I finish reading the story. Look at verse number 17. The Bible says that when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's had bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will rise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Them no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fat of calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Can I say number four and lastly, this prodigal was surprised how receptive the father was in bringing him back home. You understand in that day it was against custom, it was against Jewish law custom for a slave, first of all, to even, or for a servant, he he said, I'm going to make myself as a hired servant. It was against custom law or Jewish law back then in those days, first of all, for a servant to even leave the house, but for them to come back and just run face-to-face to their owner. Matter of fact, what they would do if they ran away and they wanted to come back, they would, they would lay themselves down at the master's feet. They would bend their head back 
and that master either had the right to cut their head off or to forgive them from running away in the first place. This prodigal son said, I'm just going to make myself as one of thy hired servants. But the father saw the son coming from a distance. The Bible says he ran, had compassion on him. He kissed him. He forgave him. Can I tell you, my friend, it doesn't give us a green light to sin. But if there's somebody in their mind this morning, you've heard the warning. And I pray to God that you'll take heed to that warning today. I pray you don't have to, you don't have to confess it to Brother Andrew. You don't have to confess it to me. But I pray that you'll come down today and you'll confess it to the God of heaven. Ask forgiveness of that sin. And I'm going to tell you, my friend, my Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe there's some other side of my voice. Uh, you've made some of the mistakes that I've preached about today. Uh, you've gone out and done the wicked, ungodly things that I brought out today. I thank God this morning, my friend, when family and friends and society sometimes doesn't forgive us, there's a God in heaven that will always forgive us. Amen. I'm glad about that this morning. This morning when I spent time with the Lord and I went to my Father in heaven, not one time did He remind me of the mess that I was in before I met Jesus. But He did remind me as I read my Scripture and as I spent time in my prayer closet that I am His child, He is my Father. My sins are forgiven and also forgotten. That heaven's my home, Christ is my Savior, I'm in His will, and thank God those, that those promises in the Bible are for me. I'm reminded of a story. A few years ago, I was preaching just right across the Texas line in Louisiana, and I preached a Sunday through Wednesday revival there in Louisiana. And my wife's, my, or my in-law's home church there in Texas were having a, they were having a ladies' meeting. And my mother-in-law come to pick up Nikita there in Texas, and Nikita was going to the ladies' meeting with her mom there in, in Baytown, Texas, and I was going to preach in Kentucky, in, in Paducah, Kentucky on Sunday. And so I had Thursday, Friday, and Saturday off. And, uh, and, and so Thursday I kissed Nikita goodbye, uh, just for a few days, not for good, just for a few days, amen. And she went to the ladies' meeting, and I began to make my way towards Paducah, Kentucky. A couple weeks before that, I was talking to my parents, and they knew what my preaching schedule was. They knew what my itinerary was. And they knew that I had to come right through Memphis, where they live, in order to get to Paducah, Kentucky. And my mom made the statement. She said, Chris, she said, if you're coming through Memphis, don't dare get a motel room. Just come home and stay with your dad and I. And I say that's the grace and mercy of an almighty God. That at one time they had a restraining order where I couldn't even come within 100 yards of the house, but they're inviting me now to stay in their home. You remember those of you that were here on Sunday, I, I, I don't know if you remember or not, but I, there was a time in my life where my parents went on a weekend vacation, and, and uh, uh, when they left on that weekend vacation, I went over to their house and busted down their door and sold everything I could get my hands on in order to feed the habits that I had in my life, took it to a pawn shop. So I began to make my journey there towards Memphis from Louisiana 
on that Thursday and about two hours away, my mom called me and she said, Chris, she said, your dad and I have got a wild hair. Now, do y'all know what a wild hair is? Everybody know what a wild hair is? I said that in Maryland. They thought I was talking about a rabbit, amen. You know what I'm talking about, amen. A whim, amen, just on a whim. Well, your dad and I have got a wild hair and we're going on a weekend vacation. And Brother Marshall, the first thing that came to my mind was, great, mama doesn't remember the first, last time they went on a vacation. I busted down the door and stole everything I could get my hands on in order to feed the drug habits that I had in my life. That's what the devil does to you. He reminds you of your past. But before that thought even exited my mind, my mom said, but Chris, don't worry. I put the key under the mat and you just make yourself at home. And make myself at home I did, amen. I'm talking about, uh, is this going live stream? It is going live stream. I better be careful anyway. But that first night I was in their house and I was sitting in that big leather recliner, amen. And I was eating me a big old bowl of cocoa puffs and watching an Andy Griffith marathon. I mean, I was just living it up at mom and daddy's house, amen. And I, I, tears began to stream down my face every night. And I'd wake up and tears would stream down my face. And, and I just began to think about the goodness of God and how, how I didn't have to go through the medicine cabinets to have a good time. And I didn't have to throw the wild parties, but I, uh, God not only saved me, but God put me in the service of God. And God lets me be a right smack dab in the center of God's will for my life. That Sunday morning I got up. I stayed there through Saturday night. It was only three hours away to Paducah, Kentucky. And I just made the drive on Sunday morning. And it was raining outside Sunday morning, but I didn't need the windshield wipers on the outside of the truck. I need them on the inside of the truck. As I was having a worship service in that pickup truck of mine, just thinking about the goodness of God. I got there at, at the church there in Bardwell, Kentucky, Mayfield Creek Baptist Church in Bardwell, Kentucky. That church is good old-fashioned camp meeting church, amen. And I'm talking about as soon as the preacher says, open up your King James Bible. I mean, they're hanging from the chandeliers and they're running the aisles. And that's just the women, amen. But anyhow... And they do something a little bit different on Sundays. For Sunday school, they have a, a, an assembly. Y'all, y'all, you guys may do that here. They had an assembly, and there's a fellow that'll get up and give a five-minute devotion. They'll sing a couple congregational songs. Uh, the preacher will get up and pray, and then everybody dismisses to their individual Sunday school classes. And the fellow had already gotten up and given his five-minute devotion, and uh, they had already sung a couple congregational songs, and the preacher got up and prayed. And he said, amen. They were about to dismiss everybody's Sunday school class. And the preacher's daughter, Laura, got up and said, preacher? She said, can I give a testimony? The preacher said, well, sure, Laura, you can give a testimony. And she said, preacher, she said, I just want to thank the Lord that I've grown up in a Christian home. I want to thank the Lord that I never had to open up the refrigerator and Budweiser cans fall out. I want to thank the Lord that I never saw Mama passed out on the couch and never had to visit Daddy in prison. And Daddy, I just want to thank you that not only were you a Christian at church, but you also were a Christian in the home. I just want to thank God I grew up in a Christian home. Now, she might not have said it that loud, but that's what she said, amen. That was a joke. Nobody got it. But anyhow, there was another one that got up after Laura. There was two or three more that got up after Laura. I'd say about a half a dozen people got up after Laura. And it was almost as that sixth or seventh person got up, it was like the Holy Spirit of God came and whispered in my ear on that front row and said, what about you, big boy? 
I was worthy for you to worship privately a little while ago. Am I worthy for you to worship me publicly in front of all these people? I stood up and I said, Preacher, can I give a testimony? He said, Sure, Brother Chris, you can give a testimony. I began to tell a little bit about my story, about the life that I lived before I got saved and all the rehabs and in and out of jail and how mom and dad had to sign the restraining order where I couldn't come within 100 yards of the house. I said, but I just left Sulphur, Louisiana on Thursday and I was headed to Memphis and it was already arranged that I was staying at my mom and dad's house. And about two hours before I got to my mom and dad's house, uh, my mom called and said, we got a, we, we've gotten a wild hair. We're going on a weekend vacation, but don't worry. We left the key on the mat. And as soon as I made that statement, the preacher's son, Jesse, got up and he said, whoa! He said, you get right with God and he'll give you the keys to the house. Can I tell you, young people, can I tell you, adult alike, can I say God's given us the keys to something? He's given us the keys to peace. He's given us the keys to joy. He's given us the keys to contentment. Can I tell you, young person, the thief coming down before to steal your testimony, to kill your love for God, and to destroy your relationship with your parents. But thank God the Bible says, but I've come to give life and to give life more abundantly. Amen. Thank God I got the keys this morning. Amen. You've got the keys. Let's stand all across the building this morning. I'm not going to get anybody to admit anything to me. I'd say the majority of the young people here this morning, you've got your mind made up, you've got your heart set. You're going to live for God, and you're going to serve God. Let's just recommit today. Let's take heed to this warning. Say, God, I ask you to allow me just to keep my eyes on you. I know the devil's real. I know that he's subtle. I know he's seeking whom he may devour. And God, I ask you to allow me to stay close to you. Allow me to draw nigh to you as you'll draw nigh to me as the pianist begins to play this morning. All across the building this morning. I wonder this morning, some adults that are here this morning, I'd ask Brother Wilson, I'd ask Brother Rochester, Brother Andrew, some ladies that spent time with the Lord this morning. You got a close walk with God this morning. I wonder if some of you godly ladies would just step out and come and pray with some of these young ladies. I wonder if some of us adult men would just come and just put their hand on some of these men and just pray with them that they'll live for God and serve God. They won't be a casualty in this war. They won't become a statistic but they'll live a life for God. Man, let's step out this morning. Let's pray with some of these men. Ladies, let's pray with some of these ladies. Young people, we don't want to just preach to you when you're a teenager. We want to see you have families of your own. We want to see them go on to live for God and go on to serve God. I'm glad that I walked into the church house at 22 years old. And I'm glad there were people that loved me enough to look past the rehabs and the drug addiction. They looked past all the tattoos I had. They loved me enough to tell me about Jesus.
I'm thankful for that. But I guarantee you this, I carry that baggage every single day of my life. Every night I go to bed, every morning I wake up, I'm reminded by the marks on my body because of the life I lived. Still to this day, I feel like that I have to go to my parents and apologize to them for the life I lived 22 years ago. Very simple. You don't have to carry that baggage around. You can just make up your mind. You're going to get your eyes off the far country. And you're going to get your eyes on God and live for God.